At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. To be perfectly honest, James, I think your internet somehow is better up at the cottage than it is at your own house in suburban Indianapolis. <laughs> um, which is no, just... come on. Since I hardwired, since I hardwired my computer, I think it's been better. Since you hardwired your computer, you um, yes, I, I suppose it's been a little bit better. <laughs> Yes, that is that is true. I, I've been able one. to still um, actually have video on the on the Skype conversation while not having terrible lag and things. Well, what, what you're forgetting to to mention is yeah, it's hardwired, but you also have to turn off every other electronic device in your house just so that you have the necessary bandwidth. Hey, babe, connect. are you running the microwave? No, yeah, you can't no, can't no, tell I'm done. Do no. <laughs> So hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. We are broadcasting today from a variety of locations all across the continent. Alex, where We're are you international. Today? We are international. Um, we could actually, if we ever were successful, we could call us ourselves like the world champs of podcasting. You don't actually need to be international <laughs> to do that. Clearly, look at the NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Um, James, I, at least baseball has one team from another country. But they're not not—they're not allowed to play in that other country this year. That's true. But all the teams in hockey can only play in that country. So it kind of balances out. It's been a fun year for sports. It has been neat. Yes, <laughs> it's, been, it's been something else. Uh, James, I am in Indiana as per usual. Um, Tim, I can tell, is in his bungalow in Los Angeles overlooking <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the parking lot. And you got uh, a nice view of the hellscape that is outside Los Angeles right that now. That is good. And James, where are you? I'm actually quarantining up uh, at our cottage in Muskoka. Becky got another job. That's, it's, this is weird. I mean, it's, it's you know a very difficult year, obviously, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And my wife has had probably her most successful year <laughs> to date. She's already done cameos on two shows. She's already filmed a movie. And she's up here quarantining because she's about to film a second movie um, out in Kelowna, BC. So I came up with her for a little bit to uh, keep her company up here at the at the cottage. Well, she didn't really have and, a choice. Uh, Otherwise, you guys weren't going to be able to afford your mortgage. Yeah. Somebody yeah, no, one of us had to have a job this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Baby girl stepped up. Thank you, Becky. Uh, so, Tim, like, all joking aside, like, I, you're in L.A., are you... Like, are you near any fires right now? Like, how are you doing with I all mean, this? What's, so the, what's it look like outside your window? I'm central enough in L.A. where, like, if I'm on fire, it's a lot bigger news than, than, it, than it right, is right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I assumed you weren't on fire. <laughs> but, like, is it, uh, I mean, is, like, the smoke no, down is, there yet? Or? Yeah, the winds changed about two nights ago. And since then, it's just been, like, orange, which has been 
kind of weird. I, I like the middle of the night last night. I looked out and the moon was just like blood red, and then since then it's just been like this orange haze. You know, you know, in movies when they're filming in Mexico and they really want an American audience to know they're in Mexico, so everything just looks hard. <laughs> it's that. It's that right now. So do you okay, think? Do you think enough, the enough. moon yeah, turning orange was their way of kind of trying to get the sky as close to pink as possible so that everyone would know <laughs> their baby was a girl? <laughs> hey, it worked. If that was the case, then yeah. it worked. Yeah, Let's, this whole thing started because of a gender reveal party. Yes, which is infuriating. The fact, the fact that they couldn't pop a balloon or you know slice into a white cake and have it be, or not have a gender reveal. Party. That's. I mean, thank you, Tim. Fair. Thank you. That's actually really the issue here. And like, can we also talk about the fact this isn't the first catastrophic forest fire that has started as a result of a gender reveal party? The same thing yeah. happened last year. I think the same thing happened this year guy, in Arizona, right? Can we, yeah, the guy like he like had a bunch of tannerite that he shot with a with a rifle with some colored powder okay, inside. Let's or not something judge and people that shoot tannerite. First of all. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm all about it. I'm just saying, I'm saying gender reveal parties need to be outlawed because they're clearly dangerous for society. Can we talk about how the fact that this couple potentially is going to have to pay damages to the forest or to the state of California, and but, if they are convicted of arson, they could go to jail for nine years? The thing is, when it comes to, like, they're going to pay damages, one, the damages are in the millions, right? And they're just gonna be—they're gonna be pretty judgment-proof, I imagine, when it comes to this. Well, I don't no. feel like a Rockefeller is out there blowing up the forest for a gender reveal party, right? No, but like, I mean, maybe <laughs> that would be a very like super villain, rich guy thing to do. Well, I mean, it's also a very like, for lack of better word, like that's a very Kardashian thing to do. Right? Like, the cake isn't good enough. I need to have it shown in the sky to all of my friends what my baby's I think I, Well, then they just pay to have the moon change color, like you said. <laughs> they wouldn't just go something simple like blowing stuff up. It was getting a bit like a little book of revelations-y. It was like, uh, you know, and I opened the sixth seal and behold, the sun turned dark as night, the moon turned red as blood. I mean, the fact, the fact that 2020 could potentially be a chapter out of revelations doesn't surprise me in the slightest well the, so the thing <laughs> is the next part i think in from that uh is that there's a big earthquake and i'm not saying like i was buying into it but i will say that i've moved stuff from the counters i was like i'm at least gonna push some things back <laughs> well as, as we've determined on, on our other episodes you're not gonna actually do anything no i'm gonna die yeah <laughs> But you do have a couple survival kits just in case you survive the initial shock. So, but I've already gone over this before. I'm sure I've, I've told you guys my theory on this. If 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 I was in a zombie apocalypse, because you can't leave L.A. if it's just a Friday afternoon, right? So if I was in a zombie apocalypse, I have no illusions about getting out or surviving or joining the band of things. No, I think I would become a zombie almost immediately. But then not only that, to add insult to injury, I think I'd be one of the first zombies to die. Like, I think I would turn into a zombie and then I would be the zombie that lets all the main characters know, oh, you go for the head. Like, I'd be that one. So Is that because your head's so big it's an easy target? That's, that's a big part of it, yeah. 
Yeah, there's just like people are just swinging at you in general, and it's just odds are it's more likely to hit you in the head, and so I then you die. I think zombie me like, oh, would just how... like fall down and hit his head, and that would be how all the like main characters figure it out. Like they don't even have beards. Zombie yet. you, zombie you would be downing his third martini at Barney's, and then pass out, knock his head on the bar, and die. And they're like, "That's how it happens." Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's. Or, or, or there's the logic that zombie Tim would just never leave his apartment and just be sitting there trying to write, you know, a human movie instead of a zombie movie <laughs> and uh, would actually would actually be the only one that survived the entire thing. And it would be up to him to recreate civilization, which he still wouldn't be able to do because I was going to say, if we were to go off my dating history, exactly. civilization's not coming that, back. That was my point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it all ends because it's him. Even a zombie civilization. Even if couldn't do he's that. the last guy on earth. <laughs> As many women have told me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this has been fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm glad we've transitioned from a racing podcast to a um, public service type um you know the people need to know we're educating the All people right. what do you, if somebody told you last thursday one of two things is going to happen <laughs> you're going to say something going, about the podium there's at going F1 to be a zombie you. apocalypse i wasn't oh. I, was, I was more going to say there's going to be a zombie apocalypse or the governor of ohio is finally going to approve the mid-ohio race I would say it was about equal chances of both well see i thought you were going to go with that uh it was either that or oh, yeah, somebody F1 was going to predict the F1 uh, podium of Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, and Lance Stroll. Funny story. So we just heard from a friend of ours that a guy in Sweden apparently, um, he he bet 20 cents on that podium. Uh, so it's clearly this is a guy that goes around <laughs> and just puts random bets on anything. It was a 166,990 to 1 odds. So he put down 20 cents <laughs> and ended up winning 33,398 euro. I bet I bet he's pissed he didn't put down like a dollar. Oh my god, could you imagine? I mean, I feel like he's still doing okay. I mean, but if you're going to put down 20 cents, why 20 yeah, cents? Why not because, just a buck? Because he's he's obviously just playing the crazy odds, right? So he's he's doing so many different outcomes that if you put a buck on all, you can get five more plays for the price of, you know, for 20 cents over a dollar and cover that many more, event, you know, eventualities. And obviously it worked in this You one. think that's what he's doing or he's just a real big Gasly fan? And then was just like hammered one well, night. Well, clearly he like, not. He's a 20 cent Gasly fan. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's no, funny. I, I was, I was talking. I was talking to a a buddy of mine, and we were watching the F one race together. And um, he was like, "Man, finally a decent F one race. Send the Ferraris into the wall, penalize Lewis, and make sure Botas has four hundred and fifty horsepower." And there you have. It. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's what made the, the race. <laughs> here's what made the race good: safety car, uh, closed pits, uh, red flag. Like, all the things that we have that people in F1 are often like, oh, that's that's crap that you guys have those rules. But that's actually what made their race exciting for the first time in three years. Didn't they change a tire under red or change oh, a tire? Oh, man, that, that, that rule is, is such garbage. Absurd. Not only were they such changing garbage. tires, they were allowed to repair components. 
But no, the, yeah, the, that doesn't make it. It's it's not even the fact that they could change tires. It's that that change could count as your mandatory swap from one compound to the other. So in IndyCar parlance, you've got to obviously run black tires and red tires in each race. That's like under red. Not only are you allowed to change tires, but if you started on blacks, you can change to reds, and that counts as your one mandatory change. That's insane. So essentially, I think it was Stroll got away with not having to do a pit stop. Like in IndyCar, you can barely even get a bottle of water and an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when James uh, wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom. Yeah, me too. It didn't. It didn't stop him. No, no. Here's the thing, Tim. (laughs) I mean, Lewis gets to go and yell at the... He was allowed. Everyone else got out and went pee. James just chose to sit there and do it. (laughs) That's not true. That is 100% not true. That's one hundred percent not true. Nobody got out of the cars. Nobody got out of the cars until after I'd already done it. Because we sat in pit lane under red, and then they got us out again, and then we did three pace laps, and then we come in and and stop. But under red, no one was allowed out of the cars. Trust me. You know the shocking thing. Everybody talks about that day when James peed in his own car. Nobody talks about that day when Alex peed in Ryan Hunter Ray's car. (laughs) (laughs) Well. You know, you build a million bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's already, his suit's already yellow, so you're not going to realize it once he sits in it. <laughs> there was uh, a, there's a driver who will remain nameless that's very uh, comfortable uh, wetting himself in the car. Not, in fact, he doesn't. Oh, willpower? We're not naming willpower? We're willpower? not going to name willpower? Yeah. Okay, so at one point, this driver... <laughs> <laughs> had a sponsor that gave him a gray suit and then after the Verizon. first race they realized that wasn't going to work and so they had to switch him to a black suit yes uh, he got out in St. Pete and had the old piss puddle around his gray <laughs> suit and they were like you know what this is not a great branding exercise I don't feel like they say no publicity is bad publicity they were wrong, <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> this, this is bad publicity well yeah, alright so no, let's let's talk about the next place that Will Power is going to pee himself. Mid Ohio's officially on. Yay. Yes, we officially it have took two a little longer than I think any of us thought. Any of us? Yeah, hoped. no. Um, thank God. Like I am, I, I I am surprised. I'll be honest with you. Like when when we got to Friday of last week, and there was kind of rumors that there was going to be an announcement, and then it got to Friday night, and there was no announcement. It was kind of. Uh, a little bit stressful and all of the kind of IndyCar drivers and, and personnel kind of in, in PR or management or whatever are on this email chain that comes from the series and it's always kind of like 30 minutes prior to a release of, of some sort of pretty big news that they want us to be aware of before, before it gets on the Twitters or whatever. And I remember I, I got the email from from the series and it just had a subject line of mid Ohio information. And I was like, oh, here it is. Like we're not going racing. And then I opened it and, uh, sure enough, um, it's on as expected as a double header Saturday and Sunday. I, I don't know that with fans, with fans. Yep. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's a, it's a hell of an accomplishment. I think considering how, how kind of conservative Ohio has been as of late, um, in regards to the, the whole quarantine restrictions and such. 
I think one of the things that's important for everybody to understand, right, is, yeah, okay, so there were rumors that we were doing it this weekend and it wasn't confirmed. And so it's kind of like, okay, you just, you need to know before you have to leave. But it's way more complicated than that, right? Because you've got to have cars prepared. You've got to have tires ordered and prepared. Firestone needs to know what they've got to have built and ready to bring. You've got to make fuel orders from, you know, Speedway to get the gas there. So with all these logistic things, logistical things, that are normally, you know, sorted six months in advance because you know the schedule uh, that far ahead. So when you're coming down to like almost the week of the event, it is very stressful. Hotels, flights, I mean, all I that mean, sort quite of honestly, yeah, that's all important, but it's really hard to get a steakhouse reservation these days when it's fifty percent <laughs> capacity. So like for me, that was the biggest worry. It was like, well, what are we gonna do Friday night if if it's a last minute kind of open table request you know it's tough you know? on that note have you booked us anything for friday night no no well you should get on that because you bailed last time so it's on you this time i was there calling six different steakhouses it's not on me at all you didn't have a job last time you were the only one not doing anything uh i was working for nbc thank you very much okay it's a job. I feel like every time you mention you work for NBC, I want to ask them if I can get the little like dun, 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 t- chime to add in. They'll probably say no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a whim here and say no. I'm gonna I'm just gonna answer for them <laughs> as a non-employee but contractor. To, I'm even gonna take that that step and say yeah, no. NBC officially declines your request for the tone. <laughs> well, so I I do want to ask like. I mean, the the teams had to be operating under the assumption that they were going, right? For sure. Yeah. So did, yeah, like, what what did actually change for the teams, if anything, when the announcement comes through? I, I think everyone just breathes a, a sigh of relief, honestly, because quite frankly, I don't know that anyone wants to do six races at the Indianapolis GP. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> I think that was that was being floated around as a potential uh, substitute for Mid Ohio. So no, I, I honestly think it's just there's a lot of prep that the engineers spend, um, kind of building the the setups and, and going through the simulations and, and looking at historical data for for the event, and and that would have started you know right after Gateway, even a little bit before Gateway. And it's just it sucks when when you go through all that effort and, and get yourself mentally prepared. Uh, to go out and 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 compete on a weekend and and then you know it, it gets kind of pulled from you. It's just it's tough. It's it's a challenge. So I think everyone was just thrilled um, for the fact that we were able to go, and then doubly thrilled for the fact that everyone that that had bought a ticket um, is going to be able to attend. I think that's a that's a really huge accomplishment. Because another another thing, you know, you kind of mentioned the the engineer side of it, but another thing that you do before a lot of races is obviously a day in the simulator and. Sim days are, you know, pre-scheduled. You only get so many per team per season. And so if you were going and and putting one or two or, you know, in Andretti's case, maybe even as many as three drivers through a mid-Ohio sim day, prep day, and then that race gets canceled. Oh, 10, 10, <clears throat> 10 drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tim, I don't know if you know, we added you to the team. Um, <clears throat> but if, if, if several drivers go and do mid-Ohio sim days, and then mid Ohio gets canceled; those days are just gone and wasted. So that's another thing that you know it's it's good that uh, that didn't happen. And you, you know, as as Alex said, you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief because you're not uh, not just wasting those days. 
But Alex, you've won there before. Famously did half a donut when you won, which was super <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, so oh, you must be that. you must be pleased to be. Go- how could you forget about the half uh, donut? Oh, James, please tell me how many times you've. Tell me about the amount of times you've had an opportunity to do a donut in Mid-Ohio, please. Oh. The opportunity? I mean, yeah, I can do donuts whatever I want. I mean, you can just come out of the pits and do a donut. Like, you don't <laughs> have to win to do donuts. It's just kind of taboo. But yes, right. no, I've never won there. Right. Um, before we get to Mid-Ohio, I, 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 um, I need to make a pretty big request and... There's no better place to do it than put someone well, on the after, spot. Yeah, no, after, after pointing out um, how few wins I have Tim, in mid-Ohio, now is a great time to do it. Yep. <laughs> Tim, Tim, I have eight general admission tickets. Um, you could be considered essential. Um, <laughs> you should come to Ohio this weekend. All right. Let me, uh, let me, let me look at the schedule. I think, I think I might be able to swing that. Okay. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Um, so, yeah, no, mid-Ohio is, uh, is, is one of my favorite tracks. Um, not cause we've had success there in the past, just cause it's like, it's just an awesome high speed, uh, of road course, um, that grips up pretty substantially as the weekend goes on. Um, it's incredibly physical for sure. It's going to be wild that we have two races this year. Um, and to make it even more difficult in a way, um, there are two 70 lap races, which means, a three-stop strategy versus a two-stop strategy isn't really going to exist. There is the potential to do a one-stopper. I don't know that anyone will try it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be pretty much two flat-out two-stop qualifying races, uh, which is going to separate the men from the Yeah, because normally sure. there, it is kind of on the precipice of a two- or three-stopper. And if you commit to the two-stopper early, you know, look, you're still driving an Indy car at its limit, and you're still pushing... But it's, it's amazing, you know, for everybody listening that hasn't had the opportunity to do this, when when you drive an Indy car at, you know, I mean, pick a lap time. So at, at Mid-Ohio, what is it, like 65 seconds or something, you know, it's, whatever. We'll just, we'll just pick that number. That might be completely wrong. Um, so let's say you're driving around at, at a minute five, right? To get down to a minute four, right, is exponentially... No, even a right. minute. 4. So yeah, 5. like the the jump in physicality once you get to a certain point is like exponential per two tenths, and so you can have a driver that does a two stop race and a driver that does a three stop race, and obviously the three stopper is going to be just absolutely pushing quality laps, you know, ten tenths the entire day. Where when you're driving at the two stop pace, it is a little calmer in the car. It's still very physical, but it is definitely less physical than trying to push the entire distance. And, you know, like a, a, you get those two drivers out of the cars at the end of the day and they're going to look and feel very different now that a two stopper is. Well, I mean, everyone's going to do a two stopper, but essentially everyone's going to be flat out the whole race because of the change in distance. It definitely makes the physicality of a double header there more of a topic of conversation. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how guys fare on Sunday. Are you planning on preparing or, you know, doing anything on Saturday night different than what you've done at? Road America or Gateway or Iowa? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I think that you can only do so much, right? Like it's it's the result that you're going to have on Sunday is going to be all about the preparation and the effort that you put in in the off season and, and up until this point in the gym, right? Yes, I mean recovery is 
is going to be important. You're going to want to make sure you're rehydrated and, and you have a good night's sleep as, as, as much as possible. Um, but the difference between being fit enough to handle day two at, at, at your peak performance versus not is not really going to come down to Saturday night. You know, it's going to be how much did you have to burn on Saturday to do the whole race? And if you are, are burning more than 50% of your capacity, you know, I think you're going to struggle on Sunday. If you're able to, to get through Saturday's race and, and it only be a kind of 25, 30% exertion level, I think you'll be fine on Sunday. So I think really that's, that's going to be the differentiating factor. And unfortunately, if you're not at that point on Tuesday, uh, or I guess on Thursday when this episode is released, you're definitely not going to get there by Saturday. <laughs> So it's, it's really going to show, um, kind of the, the differences in, in people's training preparation and their programs. And, and I think that, you know, you and I, James, were fortunate enough to, to train with some of the best at PitFit. And I know that some of our competitors also use their program. And I think it in, in weeks or, or races in the past, we've seen a, a huge difference in, in the guys that are pit fit prepared, if you will, um, versus those that aren't. Um, so Heading into the weekend, you you know more than I do. What's the tire situation like? Are, are is this a situation where you can maybe pull a bit of strategy and go you know aggressive on tire strategy for one race if you have a good qualifying for that one, but then maybe suffer the next day? Like, is there a bit of a balance that has to be played out, or do you have enough? You can kind of do whatever you want both days. Um, y- yeah, you have enough to to yeah. I don't think tires are really going to come into a conversation. It's it's the same kind of program as Road America. Um, so the only potential thing that you could do is, is not have banker tires to qualify Sunday morning on. Um, and you just have to go right out on new reds. But other than that, I think that's the only potential sacrifice that you'd be giving up. I see. I think, I think they need to rethink that in the future because races where race weekends, if you're doing a double header where you don't have enough tires, I think makes the racing more exciting. I mean, it sucks from where you and I sit and where the engineers sit, and I kind of regret even putting this out in the universe. But from the entertainment factor and the challenge of, like, from an engineering standpoint and and, and the driver, you know, the, the strategy of when you use tires and when you don't over an entire weekend rather than just over the race itself, it, it leads itself to some interesting racing. Like, I know we've had that before in Detroit with the doubleheader where – if, you know, the Reds, for example, were the preferred tire, but you only get so many sets, you obviously have to qualify on them and you need to save some for both days, but you could just roll the dice on one day and, and go like red rich one day and then be red poor the next day. I think that's kind of a fun way to do it and, and spices up the racing a bit. Thanks for that suggestion. That'll make our lives exponentially harder. James. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, it'll make your life exponentially harder. Won't change well, anything. I mean, like I was talking about next year, but yeah, cool. Thanks, Tim. Um, I'm in the pit this weekend, uh, I'm, and, and I hope you show up so that way I can uh, slap you in person uh, because the little middle finger emoji over Skype doesn't seem to really have the same effect. You just can't find the middle emoji. <laughs> Love um, you, buddy. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a great idea, James. Hopefully we're not doing doubleheaders next year, though. Like, let's, let's get out of that. 2021 is going to be normal. <laughs> you know, we're going to have our normal events. <laughs> Based on <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's adorable. It's adorable you talking on, with your mouth and based words. Based on, based on, based on just, just, it can't be this bad again. <laughs> oh, God, why are you saying stuff? <laughs> you oh, need yeah. to yeah, stop that's talking. That's how that works. <laughs> oh, God, on behalf of... 
Hey, do you want to go in this haunted house and split up? <laughs> <laughs> let's definitely go upstairs if we just if we detect any trouble. Yeah, when on the we main hear floor. noise, let's definitely go investigate it. <laughs> this is when we find out the uh, the vaccine for coronavirus causes the zombie virus. This is how I go. <laughs> on behalf of the entire Earth in 2021, screw you, Alex. <laughs> We second, will definitely second time I've been hurt, I've been blamed for worse. the world falling to pieces. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, that's all right. Odds, odds are it'll be a uh, odds are it'll be a gender reveal that, party. That does make sense. That's, that's, yeah, at, at current rate, that's true. <laughs> so, just I mean, one last thing on Mid Ohio because you would be remiss without talking about it. Um, Scott Dixon, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, young young Kiwi kid. Uh, he's he's got some promise. He might go somewhere. Uh, That's Scott Dixon. Yeah, I think I've heard that name. Yeah, commanding championship lead. He's like the Gasly of the IndyCar scene. (laughs) What, recent race winner? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, So he has a bit of a a championship lead, and he also has, I think, um, six mid-Ohio victories so far. Um, He's won 50% of the races this season so far. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is actually good news for the people that are immediately chasing him for the championship this year. You don't think that him being way out in front is good news for the people chasing him? Not going to a track that he's statistically uh, unbeatable at. No, I don't think it's great news. I'm I'm new to this like <laughs> yeah, I analysis would, I would say thing from the outside, but yeah, this is my putting my broadcast <laughs> well, hat well, on. And NBC <laughs> Do, do you want to know what's what's these, right? these opinions? <laughs> no, it's pretty pretty cool. <laughs> do you want to know what's cool about 2020 for me? Well, <laughs> besides yes, besides that, this is <laughs> this is actually a, the first year I don't really care. Like, cool, Scott Dixon can extend his championship yeah. lead. That's great. It doesn't affect me at all. You're both <laughs> just spectators at this point. <laughs> different degrees, yes. Alex yeah, just yeah, has a better yeah, seat. That is fair. <laughs> Uh, but but beating Scott Dixon at Mid Ohio probably feels pretty good. Which again, no, 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 uh, James. What's what's crazy is I am going into it with the plan of beating Scott Dixon at Mid Ohio twice, actually, and yet the gap to my championship will still not close. <laughs> it will still be an irrelevant an irrelevant gap. It is still an irrelevant statistic that I don't care about. So yeah, that's great. I will still be like an infinite amount of points behind him. Um which you know is is it is a I don't want to get used to it, but it's um it's a different way of of going into the final races of the season for me. Yeah, it's a very 2020 way of doing it. And you know what's you know what's crazy is, you know, we've had a very competitive championship for a very long time now. I don't remember the last time somebody and obviously, you know, I'm I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's a possibility that somebody locks up the title before the last race of the season. That's it's been a long long time. And even going back pre all this, you know, silly double point stuff which I've never been a fan of and I've been very honest and open about that. But uh, it's been a long time since the IndyCar championship genuinely wasn't down to the wire. And if that happens this year, it again would be a very 2020 thing to happen. I'm willing to bet it will be locked up before the final final race of the year. I mean, it's certainly trending that way. Yes, it's certainly trending that way. Um, yeah, go ahead, Tim. So I, I'm going to be honest here. Like I, 
I really want to come to Mid-Ohio because it's crazy to me that I haven't been to a race yet this year, but it just occurred to me I would have to either bring my dog or not be with my dog, and that's something I have not done since March. <laughs> like I've, I've just been kind of constantly so around wait, my so dog wait, for are, the last... Are you now his emotional support person? I think so, because like he freaks out. Do you guys have you guys found that with quarantine that your dogs are way more attached to you? I don't know. They were always pretty attached, but but I mean <laughs> maybe fair. yes. I don't know. What would what does your dog do different that he didn't do before? Well, like he's never been great about going in the crate, but like if I leave at all or if I'm separate from him at all, he he straight he just freaks yeah, that's out. A li- that's a little concerning. But I feel like it can't just be me, right? Well, I mean, L- Lucy has always been a super clingy dependent animal and you know she's been with becky for a long time and as soon as becky's not in the room lucy loses her mind weller the interesting thing about weller is he he essentially grew up in quarantine you know like we got him in november or something and he hadn't we're obviously not traveling that much in the winter and uh hadn't met a lot of people and then quarantine happened and wasn't allowed to meet people for a long time so I'm not entirely sure how social he's going to be and what he's really like when we're gone because we haven't been away that much. You know, one of us has kind of at least always been there. Um, but now that, you know, Becky's going on this job and I've still got a couple races to go to, he's going to be uh, left alone a little more and we'll see. But he's pretty dumb, so I don't think he's going to notice. I mean, that that is an interesting point. Like, Brunner <laughs> has always been... I don't know. It's the it's the poodle in them, I guess, or or maybe. Well, yeah. You say you say Lucy, but like I've also read that male dogs are like much more obsessive about their owners, and like they are in love with you, whereas you know a female dog kind of just loves you, if that makes sense. At, at least that's kind of what the the trends are. So I I really see that with Brunner. Like he he does not want to be away from a person. Doesn't want to be not at their feet or kind of above their shoulders if you're sitting on the couch. And he's right next to me as I talk. Diane is um, God knows where, just doing her own thing. She plays by herself. She sleeps by herself. She goes in her crate by herself. Actually, when we have people over and it gets too late and she's over the noise, she will just go and put herself to bed. So she's much more... Lucy does that too. Much much more okay (laughs) with being alone than than Brunner is. So I, I think... Brunner's probably become more attached in this process, but Diane also is dumb and doesn't really care. <laughs> like part of me, part of me though is like, oh man, this is going to be hard for Teddy when like things go back to normal. And then it, it occurred to me when things go back to normal, I'll probably be spending about the or, same amount of time by the time in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, like your life changed probably less than normal, anybody else's. Guys' pessimism, you'll be dead. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Also, it's, it's again, it's kind of getting on that same You'll adorable be a rotting zombie that corpse, had, Alex. That things will get back to normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this Me. is normal now. Hey, a girl can dream. <laughs> All right, Tim, you had one topic that you wanted to talk about that you uh, you didn't cover last week. So yeah, so this is you know we're we're near the tail end of the season or whatever type of season this has been, and I was just kind of curious, like looking back now. There's obviously a lot of factors that you guys wouldn't have been able to change. But if you could change something you personally did this year, what what would be the biggest thing you would go back and undo or do differently? 
looking back now. Can it be? Can it be like August to November of 2019? Because uh, I think James James would have not done a photo it's, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's, you know what, Alex, it's an interesting point. Um, it definitely makes it into the top three. Uh, but you know what, man? I don't know. I uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy right now. So uh, I think um, I would have found the emergency mode switch. Uh, faster on my pit stop in uh, the 500 that dropped us all the way to the back of the field. If I had found that quicker and mitigated the time loss a little bit, uh, that would have made for a, a cooler finish for me at the 500. That's my biggest regret so far, I think. That's good. Okay. Yeah. I think I like that much more. Much more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my biggest regret of the year. Um, that's a good question. I think that that's hard for me. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know that I, I, I have one or one that I'm comfortable sharing on the internet. Um, <laughs> Next week, actually, Alex and I and our bourbon drinking group get to go do our second uh, barrel selection for the Stop and Go Foundation. So... The charity that Becky and I run, um, we got the cool opportunity last January, this past January, uh, to go down to Buffalo Trace Distillery, and we got to select our own barrel, which is a very cool experience. Uh, we've been selling bottles of Blanton's uh, ever since, and now we're getting our uh, our second one uh, next week, where we're going to go do the tasting next week from... Um, can I... Oh, it's an old hammer label. Can I, yeah, can I I'll skip mid-Ohio. Oh, yeah, can I be essential for that? Nope. Um, can I, can I just have you talk about one thing, James, you came up with this idea with, with the help of of some, someone that helps run your company to go and, and purchase a barrel and, and take your bourbon buddies down to Kentucky and, or in this case, we're we're going to, to somewhere in Indianapolis to, to choose a barrel, to go through that process, to get the education process and, and, and frankly, the experience of, of what that's like. And then sell those bottles um, to raise money for for the foundation. Can we talk about how it was so successful that already you are able to do your second barrel pick in the same year? Like that's how much like the demand a for bourbon is, and b that's how unique a barrel pick is for those people that don't know like really what the big deal is or whatever. You're actually getting to go to a distillery and to a rickhouse and taste a variety of different barrels and choose it yourself. It's, it's such a cool, it's such a cool concept. So they do this for, you know, liquor stores, certain restaurants, uh, will be able to go get their own barrel. And yeah, you, you take, cause every barrel is a little bit different. They all have different uh, flavor profiles, depending on where in the rickhouse they were stored, you know, what level one through eight, what the temperature was in one corner of the building versus the other. And so they're all just a tiny bit different. When you mash together, you know, a thousand barrels, it obviously has a pretty general flavor and that's what they sell in bottles on the shelves. But each barrel itself can have some unique characteristics. And so you you taste it, you get to purchase that barrel. Every bottle that comes out of that barrel is, is yours. 
And so for, for bourbon drinkers, for whiskey drinkers, it is a, it is a cool experience and a, and a cool little thing to collect even normal labels, you know, labels you'd see every day on the shelf, but being a barrel select does kind of make it cool. And yeah, Alex, you're right. The, the fact that we kind of did this, you know, for the charity, but definitely it was something that we had a, a, an interest in and a passion for, uh, but ultimately to, to benefit Stop and Go Foundation. But it, it has been just so, so successful that uh, we already have a, a standing invitation to go back to Buffalo Trace and uh, everybody there that we dealt with was just incredible. And we've now expanded to a, a second distillery with West Fork and uh, and in the old Hammer label. And, and we're going to try to keep going with it because bourbon's popular. People like it. We like it. And we can raise money for a great cause. So everybody wins. Except Tim. Tim's not allowed to come. Yeah. Tim, Tim is irrelevant in this conversation. Well, guys, I think uh, this has been a very unique episode. We've covered forest fires, gender reveal parties, zombie apocalypses, <laughs> Tim's lack of survival skills, both as a human and as a dead human. Um, Mid-Ohio. It would be undead. <laughs> Scott Dixon's imminent championship. Uh, my lack of a championship. Tim's lack of a job. James's lack of a job and <laughs> our biggest regrets of the year plus bourbon. Um, wild times in the past 45 minutes. James, so, is it me or was that recap really mean? Um, I, it was fairly accurate, if I'm honest. I was mean to myself. Yeah, it was fairly accurate. <laughs> oh, he was mean to himself. He mentioned how he's not going to win a championship. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of all that we try and do. It's kind of his whole point for existing. That's, that's, why, that's why we do this. But you're right, Alex. It was a great episode in which we covered lots. And hopefully next week we'll have some awesome mid-Ohio victory stories and full donuts to talk about. No, I'm just going to keep with the half <laughs> That's just your thing. <laughs> Elio, Elio climbs fences. Carl Edwards does backflips. And Alexander Rossi does croissants. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to add producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Tim. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.